You take an ancient dinosaur god and some toxic waste. You get a monster who stomps around and tries to eat your face. You take some kaiju media, some assholes and a mic. You get a podcast that'll make you rethink your whole life. So come watch Godzilla with Podzilla, king of the casters with NBN Brandon and Jasper, who's a dog. Welcome to Podzilla, king of casters. I'm your host, NB Nightingale. And I'm your other host, Brandon. Producer Jasper, oh, we didn't do a pre- well. We didn't do a producer Jasper bit two episodes from now. We're recording this one at the end of the day because it felt like a silly one. Yeah. Uh, he's snoozing but, on the couch. Yeah, he's... He's getting some snoozing in. Yeah, because he's a dog. That's the thing he is. Yeah. So today, um, we are talking about our most requested film of all time. <laughs> well, one that Brandon's been trying to get us to do for a long time. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> Gulliver's Travels. Travels. The 2010 Jack Black feature film. Because Jack Black is a kaiju. <laughs> yes, in this film, Jack Black is a kaiju. Is a kaiju. The Beast is his, <laughs> is his name in the movie. Yes. <laughs> the Great Hairy Beast, to be exact. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, so let's talk about our thoughts. Brandon, what did you think of Gulliver's Travels? So, folks, I saw this movie in theaters <laughs> in 3D, keep in mind. And that was. That feels like very unnecessary 3D. <laughs> yes, with the cannonball goes right in your face when it pops out of Jack Black's belly. <laughs> so. This was the three. I saw this in three D in like two thousand ten, so that was twelve ish years ago now, and I don't. The only things I remembered about it was Jack Black big, <laughs> and the cannonball sequence. Yeah, that is it in the entire thing. I remembered a little more. I had a harrowing moment <laughs> where I remembered how the film ended a couple minutes before it happened. And Brandon saw my horror and had to just live in it, wondering what was about to happen. And then it happened, and we'll yeah. get to that. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. So, my overall thoughts are... The opening, the opening part of this movie, before it gets to the island, I'm like, this is fun. I'm having a fun time. This is good stuff. And then it gets to the island, I'm like, maybe this is a pretty fun time. You know, I'm having some fun effect things. This... Maybe this is underrated. This is pretty fun. And then it just like, and then it was like, it was like pulling me away from his experience yeah. piece by piece. Okay. He gave, he got a big wedgie from the robot. Okay. Yeah. This is a liar revealed story within a liar revealed story. Yeah. Okay. And then like, you can tell. The ending sequence that you're talking about broke what was left of me. <laughs> yeah. By that sequence, I was like, oh, oh no, this is bad. <laughs> this is not good again. Yeah. There were moments I thought were fun. But I think it was just kind of me trying to be like, ooh, Hot Takeover Travel's pretty good. But then I'm getting into it and I'm like, I don't think that's the case anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... I had trepidations in the beginning, but the beginning's fast, so it, it doesn't quite register. All of the human stuff is, like, probably less than ten minutes before he gets yeah, to the island. Yeah, it's quick. Yeah, but 
But I instantly flagged this, and Brandon didn't really care, but, like, it the setup is really convoluted and unnecessarily so of him just being a mailroom worker who lies uh, that he's actually a travel writer and to go on this big assignment uh, to try and impress a girl and then going, it's like, why not just have him be a low-level writer at the company who takes on this assignment that he's a little unqualified for to try and impress her? That is like, that would be much simpler, much <laughs> less convoluted, and would it get rid of one of the liar reveals? It would have just been, it, then it would have just been like the one liar revealed, and instead, like, oh, she has to go down there because he hasn't contacted her in weeks. <laughs> For this assignment, and so she's getting a little nervous. Yeah. But, uh, so that was, like, a little red flag, but it was, like, it was quick So before it gets to the actual plot. So it's, like, it doesn't matter too much. But that, and then, back. there's, there's a version of this movie that could work. There is. At the beginning, why I think I was also tricked into thinking maybe this works <laughs> is it starts it, it, when they get to Lil when he gets to Lilliput, all of the Lilliputian actors uh, are doing very uh, what I call Princess Bride <laughs> kind of performances, where it's you know it's doing that kind of almost like they were performing Shakespeare, but with this ridiculous dialogue, and they're playing it pretty straight, and that makes it funny in and of itself. And they're doing really good. Like, I really like Jason Siegel's for in his first scene, where he's playing this like charming rogue who was thrown away for get for uh, in prison for giving like a a lustful look towards the princess. I think that performance he's giving is really fun, and I think everyone is kind of playing that kind of elevated princess bride kind of performance the at the beginning. Fun. Oh no, you're kidnapping me. Yeah. I'm being kidnapped. Oh no. And like almost seeming like turned on when they tie the ropes <laughs> to her hands. Those are all fun. Yeah. But then as the movie goes on, the actors start dropping that and acting just kind of modern one by one. First it's Jason Siegel. His performance like leaves the what I liked really quick and he's just playing Jason Siegel with a British accent. Yeah. And it happens to every single actor, bar my favorite <laughs> performance in the film. The one saving grace, the one thing I was like really into every time he was on screen, Chris O'Dowd keeps the tone perfect the entire time. And he does the kind of he does this kind of getting less stiff and modern thing, but he keeps he walks the tone well, I think. Yeah. And he if everyone else were as dialed in to the kind of fine line as Chris O'Dowd was, I think the Lilliput... Maybe Jack Black, I don't think his performance would be funny in this no matter what. <laughs> it's just... It's a bad version of what he's been doing for forever. Uh, but... Hear this out, folks. Have you ever heard of Jack Black playing a stoner-like man-child? <laughs> like, it's just... what. what he just is redoing School of Rock over and over again. And it works in School of Rock 
But I really like School of School Rock. School of Rock is amazing. It's <laughs> Richard, Richard Linklater directed it. It's a classic. It's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. It is a legitimately good movie, and I don't think we'll find people who disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a worse version of that because the scripts aren't as good that he's doing the shtick on. But if everyone were dialed into what Chris O'Dowd is doing, he, it would, the, the movie would be a funny film. Because that kind of line is very fun, and I'm... Uh, but yeah, so that's... It's the contrast that you need. <laughs> the movie that Chris O'Dowd is in, I'd give a three and a half, maybe a four stars as a comedy. The movie that is around him <laughs> is two at best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I held on for longer. But the ending, the ending broke me. And I was like, oh shit, no, I don't like it now. I, I realized I didn't like it. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's our overall thoughts about this. I just love the scene where he turns the defenses down. And he's just doing, <laughs> oh, the, no. doing the full Gene Wilder Willy Wonka as like... In what is actually a really good job, it's probably CGI, but it's actually good CGI of him just walking, not really caring as fucking explosions are happening fire. around. He goes, oh, oh damn. no, the defenses are damn. down. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> he again, Chris O'Dowd is the best part of this movie and a legitimately good thing. That's not faint praise. It is legitimately a great performance. This is good stuff. Everything else is shit. <laughs> Everything else is shit here. Yeah. But yeah, like, but yeah, everyone starts in that Chris O'Dowd tone, and it so works. And again, it really works. I I think I turned to you during Jason Siegel's scene was like, do I want to fuck Jason Siegel? <laughs> yeah, it was during the prison scene. <laughs> Just like. Whoa. He's got like a wry smile and he's looking up and he's like, I gave her a lascivious look. And it was like, oh, my heart. <laughs> but, um, yeah. That doesn't keep. That doesn't keep it going. does not keep. So, and also, know. criminally underused Catherine Tate. I love Catherine Tate. She's the queen. Uh, oh, yeah. She's but, not much. Not yeah. Much. She gets hardly anything. And she's. Why did they cast her then? She's like a, a major comedic force in England. And she just goes, She's just, Oh, you go. Yeah. Like she has the one, she has one joke in the movie. One joke. And it's when she's clearly turned on by Jack Black. <laughs> That's the one joke line. <laughs> that is all. Yes. But yeah, yeah, okay, so we can't. What that monster do? What that monster do? We're moving on to what that monster do. <laughs> so, in this movie, um, Jack Black is the kaiju. So He's I not have... the only kaiju. Later on, there is a little girl kaiju, and also his romantic interest kaiju, who shows up. And they're considered kaiju, but... Oh, and kaiju's. a mech. And a mech. That's taller than him, so... It is taller than him. So it's even more of a kaiju. It is more of a kaiju. So, in this movie, there's some big guys and a couple big ladies. So, in Gulliver's Travels, we have the titular Gulliver himself. And what we're going to do here, 
I've got a picture of Jack Black. I've got multiple pictures of Jack Black in this movie pulled up on my phone. I'm going to ask Brandon specific questions <laughs> and see if he can remember what Jack Black looks like in this film. The 5'6 Jack Black, whose birthday was in August of 1969. First off, we're going to start with an easy one. Describe Jack Black's shirt through the majority of this movie. Jack Black's outfit in Gulliver's Travels is a red basketball shirt. A red short sleeve basketball t-shirt. What does it say on it? It says like Huskerville? No, it says something park. It says like something park basketball. Like <laughs> Rusket Park Basketball yeah. or something. Jesus Christ, you're a lot closer than I thought you'd be. Rucker Park Basketball. Rucker Park Basketball. So, Jack Black in Gulliver's Travels is touting a Rucker's Park Basketball short sleeve red t-shirt and, uh, you know, beige-ish green cargo shorts. Yeah. With Converse black and white sneakers. That's right. Now. And that is what Jack Black is wearing in Gulliver's Travels. What color are his eyes? <laughs> oh, you know, I was gazing into them bad boys. <laughs> What color are Jack Black's <laughs> eyes? Survey says brown. Yes! How are you this good at it? <laughs> I just... Brown's the most popular color. Alright, what else you got? Describe both versions of Jack Black's haircut in this movie. <sighs> okay, we have... No, we have Jack Black in the opening where his hair is past his ears-ish length, okay. and it's kind of long. It kind of looks like um, like two swoops of hair going in on the sides a bit. He's got the he's got the usual Jack Black hair you see in the in you know most of these movies. Yeah. Um, later on, there's a sequence where he gets a haircut, and after the haircut, his hair is like similar style but shorter. The hair you have right now. Is what Jack Black yeah. one. <laughs> Widow's Peak and everything. Oh my god. So Jack Black himself. <laughs> wow. I can't believe you stole my look. <laughs> oh, you were cosplaying because you knew we were watching. I know, I did. For months I got ready for it. <laughs> so I would describe Jack Black's face as like a bit, a bit like a little gremlin. Like a human gremlin. Like Were his pants solid colored or not? Solid colored? What do you mean? Like, were they all one color? Yes. Yes. Wrong. Oh no. Colored pockets? <laughs> Wrong. Cor uncorrect. I put forward another you cheated, you motherfucker! You're a cheat! I just showed him a picture of the poster, which has Wrong. Jack Black in, like, Hawaiian... Hawaiian pants. Wrong! Solid like colors, baby! He, he's been looking at a poster of Jack Black's look the entire time. Oh, no, I had he's it off a until cheater. now. I had it off he until cheated. now. I don't believe you. I had it right here the whole time, but I remembered those were solid-colored pants. <laughs> And by the way, folks, if you're wondering what the tagline is, it's, what is it, uh, black is the new big? I'm nearly certain I it's black is that. the new big. I hate that so much. 
I, I, with every flames, flames on the side of my face. <laughs> Black is the new big. <laughs> a fantastically fun movie. Oh my god. Robbie Collin, News of the World. Uh, not a reputed magazine. That's why. God. This film was a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> so, one in five critics are real. Four out of five critics do not recommend Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> <laughs> If Gulliver's Travels only had uh, one fan, I would be that fan. <laughs> if Gulliver's Travels had a world of fans, I would be one of them. <laughs> Nothing makes me more angry than Gulliver's Travel haters. Okay, I'm going to describe the French poster of Gulliver's Travels for you. Okay. One, All of these are horribly photoshopped. <laughs> like, they couldn't get Jack Black to just sit in front of a, of a green screen for these posters. Yeah. So, like, it, all of them look like they just plastered his, badly photoshopped his face onto a model who did it for him. <laughs> but the French poster, he's kneeling in the streets. Uh, people are, like, saying, like, how do, the, how do you do to him? All of the entire cast is on here in one way, shape, or form. Uh, he's... J- including front and center, James Corden, shrieking in fear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And Jack Black, Les Voyages de Gulliver, Save Etre Giant. <laughs> yep, so Jack Black is. Jack Black was. Jack Black was, I think, around 440 when this movie came out. Like, 40 exactly. That just adds to how creepy the romance subplot is. <laughs> we'll describe this later, folks, but I found it not charming and, in fact, very creepy. What? The, the, the creepy male? Imagine just being stuck. Folks, wouldn't it be so romantic to be stuck on an island with the only two people being... Full-size people being you and your stalker. Yeah. yeah. Who <laughs> has lied their way into your good graces. <laughs> and you found them out. Yeah. And now that you find out that they've been stalking and harboring feelings for you for a for long time. For ten years. Despite them being someone you're just vaguely aware of. <laughs> Who, like, hands you your mail every other day. Uh, uh, uh. So yeah, okay. So, so you you found some stuff about Gulliver's Travels that you uh, want uh, to uh, disclose, uh, uh, and I want to hear it. All right, I'm saving the best one for the end. Is that the Emily Blunt quote you've been teasing me with? It's not a quote. <laughs> so here's some stuff I found about Gulliver's Travels. First off, huge box office bomb. Like twenty, it made like. Or, like, just bad opening. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the lowest for a 3D movie, and when those were still a popular thing. <laughs> Did you know that Gulliver's Travels director is the same director of Shark Tale? It's the same no. guy. It's the same dude. <laughs> is Jack Black his Robert De Niro? <laughs> <laughs> he puts him in everything. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be in this. Gotta put you in all, on all of them. <laughs> 
the, this, uh, ten years from now, Jack Black does his The Irishman, the big man. He's just flashing back between more scenes of him, him in Lilliput and him as an old man that no one takes seriously. Oh my god. Okay, so... <laughs> Alright, so there's the scene in the movie where Jack Black pisses on the palace, right? Yep. <laughs> what if I told you that is in, in the original novel? That would not surprise me. <laughs> that actually does... There's a very dirty sense of humor from everything I've heard about. I need to read it. I thought about, for the bit, reading Gulliver's Travels uh, and surprising Brandon with that fact... Uh, for this episode, talking right now. Yeah. So I did it. <gasps> I didn't. That would be a fun. That would. That would be a double a, switch. An amazing moment. But, uh, but I didn't. But I do know stuff about it. Like I know that there's a one of the more famous jokes is when he goes to the big person island, Brogdignagia. Uh, the women on that island start. Uh, putting him up their uh, vaginas. Oh no! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's got a very dirty sense of humor. Jonathan Swift was a little freak. <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, he discovered so, something within himself. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Oh my god. So <laughs> yeah, so this is the director's first live action movie. After Shark Tale, he also worked with Jack Black on Monsters vs. Aliens. And, um... <laughs> Who does Jack Black play in Monsters vs. Aliens? Okay, oh, so wait, don't, don't tell me. I'm going to, to see if I can name the voice actors for all of the monsters. Well, the aliens, Rain Wilson. President of the United States, Stephen Colbert. Uh, the 50-foot woman, Reese Witherspoon. Her fiancé, Paul Rudd. The Blob? Bob the Blob is Seth Rogen. Uh, Professor Cockroach is Hugh Laurie. <laughs> Missing Link is Will Arnett. And I think those are all the talking ones. They also have a kaiju, uh, like Mothra baby uh, thing. But yeah, so I don't know who would Jack... I don't think Jack Black was a character there. <laughs> I just reread it and I read it wrong, but I just need you to go through that. And now I know how deep a passion you have for monsters. I saw it once as a child, but I remember being so hyped <laughs> for it coming up that like, okay, so I'm glad Sophie doesn't listen to this podcast because she'd make fun of me for this because she makes fun of me for, <laughs> this is a bit that she makes fun of me for a lot is how when I was very young, I was weird actors I was obsessed with. Like okay. I mentioned as a kid, I was upset that Paul Giamatti got recast for the second Big Mama's House. Fuck! Fucking pause for a second here. We gotta crack the brakes here for a second. So, so, so you said that you as a child were disappointed that Paul Giamatti was recast for Big Mama's House 2. Yes. Okay, okay. So, okay. 
Okay, so Nolan, <laughs> this is going to determine everything. <laughs> yeah. So were you disappointed by him being recast when you had watched the movie? Or did you somehow hear about it before <laughs> Big Mama's House 2 came out to theaters? When I watched, I will, I, I will say, we bought, a, we bought the Big Mama's House films, the double pack of the two that existed at the time. And the yes. first one, I was excited because Paul Giamatti was, Mar- was like Martin Lawrence's partner who like, you know, was the one, the guy in the van for Martin Lawrence while he was doing all his undercover work as Big Mama. And then yes. they recast him in the sequel. <laughs> but... Okay, so this was. I feel like our generation has a lot more attachment to Paul Giamatti from a young age than (laughs) others. Big fat liar did that. Okay, I will. I don't have to justify my love of Paul Giamatti here. (laughs) He is a sweetheart. But yeah. So, so anyways, I, the reason <laughs> we are a tangent within a tangent right now. But I got. I just need to mention that. I, I can just imagine a seven-year-old, I a was, seven-year-old you just looking yeah. through the news and be like, God damn it. <laughs> How could they do this to me? God damn it. <laughs> like you like, like do a protest. You're like, huh? Like you make like a, what are the fucking 2005 version of a, of a, of a sign or prediction thing is? Yeah. <laughs> Get Paul back. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't want to see that in the theaters. <laughs> Give me Paul or give me death. <laughs> oh my God! So, but yeah. Anyways, so, so when Sophie found out that story, she made fun of me incessantly for it. No. Also, just because like we'll be watching, we'll be watching movies, and I'll just yell out, "Oh shit! Timothy Spall is in this," and she'll make fun of me for that. That is a thing that that yeah. her, my friend Lex. My friend Evan, all of them make fun of me for. Because, and you make fun of me for, because of my obsession with with character actors. Uh, But yeah, so the reason that I am so keyed into Monsters vs. Aliens Mm -hmm. is because when I found out Hugh Laurie was going to be in it, I followed the news about that movie incessantly up into the... uh, as a kid, up until the release. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is you, Lori? Dr. House! Dr. Gregory House! <laughs> were you were you watching House? Was that a thing you were... I mean, House was popular in my household. Okay. It wasn't the thing I liked the most from. I liked the most from Blackadder, but... <laughs> Wait, like, how early in? Like, did you hear, like, oh, he's going to be in this movie? So, like, six months before the movie came out. (laughs) Okay. My dad was watching NASCAR, and Hugh Laurie was, got to do the gentleman start your engines thing before a race. Okay. And they announced him as Hugh Laurie, star of the upcoming film, Monsters vs. Aliens. You're like, whoop! Oh, who's he gonna be? What? And I like, looked it up. Just like says, run over in a little notebook. <laughs> Monsters versus aliens. <laughs> I need to look this up later on my on my dial up. Oh my god, that's great. Okay, <laughs> turning back on track. 
Okay. So what was the what was the fact you were trying to say? So it was. We just spent eight minutes shitting on me. It's <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Okay, so so it was, it was the director's first live action movie, and um, you know, loosely based off the Gulliver's Travels original novel, and um. Okay. Giamatti right. would have been good in this film. <laughs> Unfortunately, he was recast at the last minute. And <laughs> little Nolan got really angry about that. I did think when you were t- making such a big deal out of this, that's what you were going to reveal, that like Giamatti was, was going to be a role so in this. <laughs> and then dropped out. <laughs> oh my god, it'd be so good. Okay, so Emily Blunt is in this movie. She's the princess. Thank you. Yeah, she's the princess character. Wait, what was the Monsters vs. Aliens fact? <laughs> so, okay, it was the director's first live-action feature. He worked with Jack Black and Shark Tale, and he worked in Monsters vs. Aliens on how to deal with a giant character. Okay. That was what it was. <laughs> okay, so... Shit, have I watched all of this director's filmography? It'd be really funny. <laughs> like, you now you're like, I'm retreading. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta get my Gulliver's Travels fix. <laughs> okay, while you're giving these facts, I am gonna look up his filmography and see if I've seen everyone. <laughs> okay, so what I was trying to say, Emily Blunt's the princess character. Did you know what also came out in 2010 that she originally was gonna be in? What? Emily Blunt was supposed to be oh, Black Widow yes, in I Iron knew this Man one. 2. But she had to drop out due to her commitment on no! this film. <laughs> Emily Blunt's career was almost like one of the richest people in Hollywood. <laughs> so close. Oh my god. Because, um, okay, so in a May 11th appearance on the Howard Stern show, uh, Blunt said that she was forced by contractual obligation to appear because of a two picture deal with Fox when she was in The Devil Wears Prada. So it's, I guess it wasn't like it was a, not her yeah. decision, but damn. They decided to use her for this and she couldn't <laughs> say no. Yeah. God. Back to the Gulliver's travel cage. God damn. Could you imagine it was like Those other... are two films of very varying, uh, you know, quality. Like, listen, I'm not like crazy about The Devil Wears Prada, but it is a good film that has a very huge cultural impact and got like Oscar nominations. <laughs> like everyone a, knows it. <laughs> it's a monkey's paw. I want to be in two two movies. <laughs> See, I assumed that they've gotten the pedigree of cast by just opening with, "Hey, we're doing an ad a a big budget adaptation of Gulliver's Travels." You know, yeah. one of the most classic pieces in all of literature. Would you like to be in it? <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's what the, the pitch was. Okay, so I did look up director Rob Letterman's entire filmography. Yes. I've seen all but one. What's the one you haven't seen? Goosebumps. Oh, that one. Also, I have sorry, seen... Jack Black. He I... is his... He is yes, his but I have hero. seen Shark Tale. I have seen Monsters vs. Aliens. I have seen Gulliver's Travels. And I have seen Detective Pikachu. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I've seen all but one. 
You're not quite there yet. You're not a super fan yet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> dang. That was... Swinging a miss. I did know about the Black Widow thing. Yeah, that, oh, what a... What a whiff. What Jeez. a whiff. Well, yeah, it wasn't the decision. It was the contract. Yeah. That's fog. That sucks. So... I think it's about time to break down the plot of Gulliver's Travels from 2010. Okay, I just... Okay, the one thing I will say... I can't imagine Emily Blunt doing Joss Whedon shtick as Black Widow. And that's not like a boo-on-her thing. That's like a... I think she's too good for it thing. (laughs) Like, I can't imagine... Jo- her letting Joss Whedon write that chair se- that chair scene from the first Avengers movie and making her do it. Yeah. So a little effects thing was that uh, this was the first time they used the dual Moco camera, which let Jack Black and the um, the Lilliputians, the actors playing them, like kind of act opposite each other at the same time. Yeah. I don't think it really helped, but. <laughs> yeah. There's so much, like, the effects of this movie, before we get in the plot for just a second, range from, this is pretty good, to, that's a lot of bad green screen. Because I think it's the lighting. Where sometimes, like, Jack Black is, like, just a completely different lighting than everything around him. Yeah. And there's one where it's clearly, like, a CG shadow they added, and it looks really bad. And the yeah. robot looks straight out of Spy Kids 3. Yeah. It literally... Looks like Mr. Electro from, from, uh, from, 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 uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Mostly because of the face thing, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or kind of like the grandpa in Spike Kids 3D suit. Rip that wave, Judy! Judy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, <laughs> that was about the effects stuff, but you know, big budget, some cool effects to it, but other stuff not looking too great. Okay, are we going to go on our commercial break, then return to talk about the plot? Yes. <laughs> there were air quotes. If, there, if I can right? find it, I'm going to find. I'm gonna have as the commercial the NASCAR thing you were talking about. <laughs> See him in Monsters vs. Aliens. And just have a little, a little, a little envy. Woo! <laughs> Let's go! Good luck, Carl. Thanks. There is a doctor in the house as uh, we head to trackside. Hugh Lowry, he's not a real doctor. He plays one on TV. Race fans, it is time for the most famous words in motorsports. Please welcome back the star of the Fox television series House and the DreamWorks animated film Monsters vs. Aliens opening March 27th, your Grand Marshal Hugh Lowry. Gentlemen, start your engines. All right, and we're back. Yep. Uh, so, I did look more into the Monsters vs. Aliens cast. Hmm. One, before I looked, I did remember Kiefer Sutherland also plays the general in charge of the monster program. Uh, that was not uh, with looking. But I also found when I was looking at it that the opening scene hmm. is a cameo from uh, two people being, you know, like... Like, two teens in, like, an alien invasion kind of movie where, like, the aliens come in. And they're played by Renelle Zellweger. Renee Zellweger, not Renelle Zellweger, but, uh, um, and Emily Blunt's husband, 
John Krasinski. And so that does raise the question, was John Krasinski the one who told her, hey, this guy's pretty fun to work with. <laughs> you should look into his film. I think you'd have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... The plot of Gulliver's Travels. It, you know, you have to have a high IQ to understand Gulliver's Travels. So Lemuel Gulliver... Okay, so the plot of Gulliver's Travels is essentially the plot of the Book of Mormon. <laughs> I will elaborate when okay. that becomes very relevant. So... It starts with Lemuel Gulliver being a, a slob who works in the mailroom, and he's kind of a loser, and he's showing T.J. Miller, uh, who uh, yikes T.J. Miller, but, uh, you know, pre-head uh, injury that kind of caused him to, through brain damage, become a sex pest. So, I can we treat T.? This is not something we should litigate right now. We're not qualified to litigate if we should t treat this T.J. Miller as a different person because something beyond his control turned him into a monster. Uh, much like Reese Witherspoon's character in Monsters vs. Aliens. But... <laughs> the fucking whiplash. <laughs> but, um... But, you know, uh... So, yeah, he's funny in this uh i don't like saying that but he is funny in this in his like 10 minutes uh but less probably uh but uh he's the new guy at the mailroom yeah uh and he, he so gulliver shows him around he quickly intuits that gulliver is you know a, a slacker a loser who's afraid of asking the girl he likes out uh, uh, played by Amanda Peet, uh, who's the travel editor at the magazine they work at. Um, and, uh, so he, but then T.J. Miller gets Gulliver's job first day <laughs> and Gulliver gets demoted. It's a funny scene. It is. Uh, he's like, man, like, oh, I just got promoted. Just showing that, like, Gulliver's yeah. bad at his job. Yeah. And, uh, so then... They, uh, but yeah, Gulliver tries to take a chance, and he's like, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna go ask her out, but he wimps out, and he just, like, tries to grab something from her uh, desk. Well, to act let, like... let's, let's break down the creepiness of this. <laughs> okay. So it's, he's in an elevator alone with her, and he's like, oh, it's small talk doesn't do it, right? Yeah. Chicken's out. And then later that night... <laughs> When nobody else is in the building. And well beyond when his shift should have would have been over. Like, the mailroom gets to just go home once the mail's done. They that's why they come in earlier than everyone else and leave and, and leave early. And leave earlier. But no, he's still there it, well into like the night. It's like a seven o'clock you come in at seven, but like it's dark out when he when he's yeah. leaving. So and it's like just her. Either, so either this place is Working on absolute <laughs> cruel fucking capitalist boot crushing <laughs> labor. 14 hour days. On poor Gulliver. <laughs> well, let's think. This, is, this was in the summertime, right? Yeah. Summertime, uh, you know, it doesn't really get dark until like 8 or 9. Like, 
So yeah. this is like a 14 hour day for this man. <laughs> that, oh my yeah. god, that's why he's playing Guitar Hero. He yeah. only has time for activities while he's at work. <laughs> <laughs> after his, after his, he lives in New York City. That's a long commute. That's a long commute to get to work and back. Literally, the only Wait, thing this man so... can do is work and sleep. That's why he's slacking off. He's the he's the working class hero. So we okay. So we've established that uh, Gulliver works fucking crushing days. He either works fucking crushing days. This is the only socialization he gets. So that's why he's so obsessed with her. It's like so this is his life, Nolan. This is the only woman he's ever seen <laughs> for ten years. <laughs> He's been working here for ten years. It's like it's like a sailor seeing a manatee. <laughs> <laughs> just anything. <laughs> just any. Just... I mean, granted, if a manatee looked as hot as Amanda Pete, I would also fuck a manatee. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so he works crushing yeah. days. So I'm I'm glad we established that. Uh, so he either okay, works he works fourteen hour so days. So it's either that he works crushing days. Okay. Or he purposefully stayed hours, <laughs> hours after work to ask out this woman he barely knows. <laughs> I think it's funnier with the 14-hour days. Yeah. What if you worked... Let me try to think. Do we know... Okay. How many days do we see him at work? One, right? It's just one? Okay. Yeah. So we can't establish a work week. But if, if he's working five days a week, that's 70-hour work week. Hey, you gotta afford that New York, that New York City apartment somehow. Oh, and the, and the overtime is all yet is what you gotta do to get it. Oh my goodness, this poor man. So yeah, he he stumbles into her office, <laughs> or like he gets into he deliberately goes to her office, and he's too chicken to ask her out again. So he just instead actually picks up a piece of paper and says, "Oh, I want to be a travel writer. Yeah, I'm a travel guy." And then he really commits to the bit by plagiarizing. <laughs> he can't write Whole anything, paragraphs. so he just goes to travel writing websites. And at first, he's just looking at them as like a reference point. And then he just but copies, then he paste. just starts copying, pasting. And she's super impressed because he did like again. Apparently, he did like very popular um, travel travel blog, blog uh, you know, magazine yeah. websites and stuff. And she she didn't like. Check out his credentials. To she wasn't. She was just like reference. ready to say that they've had like a goodwill hunting scenario going on <laughs> with their mailman this entire time for ten years. Yeah. She didn't like check for plagiarism or anything. She just automatically you're hired here. You're going to Bermuda <laughs> on an all expense paid assignment. <laughs> yep, for three weeks because she gets seasick and she didn't want to do it. Yeah. So here you go. You got to be doing this. Some guy said there's something weird in the bird. He also lies about being able to drive a boat. Yeah, and he goes, I'm a boat man. So he gets to the island. Or he, um, he gets I, in the boat. I, th I thought, I think he thought, they didn't establish as well, but I did think that he thought the implication from their conversation was that, like, he'd just be on a boat and someone else would be driving it. Yeah, but no, he's driving Which, the like, boat. if that was the intent... There's, they should have had a beat of him realizing that <laughs> instead he, of just like... Some joke where he's like, okay, and like there's a guy that brings him to the boat. And, he, and he's like, oh, when are you going to get on? He goes, no, 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 that's just you, my dude. Yeah. Like, that'd be like, funny. 
Where he's just like, oh, great. Yeah, but yeah. So Can't he, be that much different than a car, you know, like he smacks into the so pyramid. He ha- but it's, it's a three-week trip. So that means a week and a half of sailing alone with... No provisions. He has no provisions. <laughs> no, Nolan. He has provisions. It's called Coca-Cola, baby. Because, <laughs> you know, that's the that's the important thing to bring on a on a week's long trip where no water is Coca-Cola. Yeah. That's the only thing And again, see if for, that were a thing, they for, don't establish uh, this as like, a, a more clever movie would have established this as like, more jokes about how unprepared and unknowledgeable about the field he is. Yeah. But, like, he'd expected all of this stuff to be provided for him down there. And it's like, he's like, they, what? We didn't. That's what the stipend you were given was for, <laughs> my dude. And it's like, and he goes, like, oh, and then it comes I was to supposed him. to, yeah. No, and then, oh, I'm writing funny jokes for the movie. And he goes, well, this, you know, the stipend they gave you, what did you use it? You used it for prison, right? He goes, oh, because his apartment, there's like a big, like, Darth Vader statue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, there's a good version of this movie. <laughs> You can make a good version 46 of this. 46 minutes into this episode, and we are we are not past the first 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> okay, yes. So. Okay, so he, he goes out there, he's going to the Bermuda Triangle, but all of a sudden, ooh, he gets sucked into a vortex uh, that does look better CGI-wise than a lot of Marvel movies. Uh, I don't, like, I will not say that about the movie as a whole. The movie's <laughs> CGI gets real rough after this point. And it never quite feels like Jack Black is on set with the... Uh, it never... Like, obviously he wasn't on set, but it never quite feels like he's actually interacting with the other characters. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so it's... So he gets... So, so he's in a, unprepared. He, he wakes up in the classic Gulliver's Travel pose. Well, and he, he's, um... Yeah. He has a newspaper on a, on a magazine. He goes, building a giant robot. Now that's ridiculous. Like, that's ever gonna happen. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, like lamp lampshading the Chekhov's gun they're setting up, which yep. And then yes, he clever joke, he lands on the uh, he gets sucked up into vortex. And we've counted this point. Jack Black should have died twice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once when he was thrown back in the boat and smacked on the ground, and the other one when he's sucked up into this massive vortex yeah. in the sky of water. And then yeah, he wakes up on the on the island like the classic, you know. Little people have tied him up with the ropes. What does Gulliver eat on this island? Not hay. You know, it's not hay. Like, so... So I'm going to give up on this plot. I'm going to give up on this plot. And we're just going to talk about some stuff. Uh, I don't think we need to sum this plot up. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hit some of the big moments. But, uh... uh so Gulliver... Gulliver needs a normal human-sized amount of food. But we see that, like, the food is shrunk, is shrunken down to Lilliputian size. Yeah. So, is he, like, a giant blight upon their <laughs> ecosystem? <laughs> He's a parasite. <laughs> he, okay, imagine that, what you see here, if you read the behind-the-scenes documentary about Lilliputia, <laughs> you can realize that Lilliputia was in the middle of what would be considered a generations-long uh, famine. <laughs> but they were starting to get better, and then... Gulliver came along and just... You don't see it because the only people who see this movie are like royals and like fun people. But the little people, like the, you know, the lower yeah. peasant class, completely decimated by this. Yeah. Like imagine like a potato famine level where they had to give all of their food to Gulliver who would... um He... Like a, his... 
you know, in his hand would be yeah. like the equivalent of a month worth of food for yeah. each person for them. And then he just hum, wolfs it down, then makes some reference about Star Trek or something. Yeah. And then he just does another one. Yeah. And just yeah. whole things. Well, they show that he. They show him as. That they make him into a fucking plow at some point. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bren. Yeah. Can I make a bold bet with you right now? All right. When this mo- when this episode comes out, all right. It is going to be, I think, our most viewed episode. <laughs> Quickly, our biggest download. I don't know why, but I strongly feel that. And if that comes true, well, let's say, well, we'd need a long time to see if it fully came true. So let's say most day one downloads we've ever had. Our current, the King Kong episode is currently our record. And I think that's like 18 in a day. I think so, yeah. I say we beat that with this. All right. And if we do, mm-hmm. you have to read all of Gulliver's Travels and update us as the episodes go on about what you've read. <laughs> uh, and if we don't, mm. I have to do it. You got yourself a bet. <laughs> You got yourself a bet. Okay, you heard it here first. You, so what we're saying is, folks, is no one's going to be reading some Gulliver's is Travels. Is that Brandon's going to have to read Gulliver's Travels? I don't think it's going to make it. I think this episode is going to be like Clifford in that it shocks us how well it does. Okay, so... I, let's well, it won't a... shock me because I'm betting it now. But... All right. So a quick summary is Gulliver gets to the island... Yeah. Gulliver lies and say he's the president and he's a cool dude and everything. Mm-hmm. And eventually he's find out as a liar. And there's an evil general guy who turns on his own yeah, people. Chris O'Dow. Chris O'Dow. And he turns on his own people to support the other army. There's another like evil army. Yeah. And well, Gulliver, Gulliver gets stuck also in a has like a full. I hope workforce. <laughs> Just to make like his basic necessities, like make his coffee every yeah. day. And it's a fun scene. It's like dozens of pe- it's like yeah. dozens of people, like, you know, and the what do you think of Industrial Revolution? Like overalls, like sweating, and they're like putting thing to like a fire generator. God. And it's a big reveal that it's just to make him some coffee. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Uh but Okay, another thing. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Do you think they work 14-hour days? I think they work 20-hour days. 20 hours, four for sleep. (laughs) What we're saying is Gulliver's Travels is a story about the oppressed becoming the oppressor. (laughs) Okay, so I... So what do you think is... I think we can skip to the end in which... 
Uh, Galvor defeats the robot that tries to attack him and gives him Oh, yeah, so the general guy uh, builds the robot from the magazine, yeah. and he attacks he, him, and he kicks his butt army. the first time. Uh, yeah, and he's <laughs> going like this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and he destroys his the army, love, and then he goes, attacks him, and the robot gives him a wedgie. And then he gives him a big wedgie, and he bounces him around. And during the during the the guy giving him a wedgie, the robot, he reveals that he's been a liar the whole time, and big yeah, liar reveal so moment. Shows and it's revealed that Amanda Peet gave him messages. Him, but yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the end of the movie, he defeats the robot with the help of Jason Siegel, who we haven't discussed much. Nah, that's not big. James Corden's in this movie. There's like a jump scare of James Corden for like... A, a second long shot of him stuffing his face with like donuts so or James something. James Corden is like the king's advisor, I think? Yes. But And all like... Uh, no, he he doesn't have much to do in this movie. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe blessedly so. I like the scene where Chris O'Dowd points to Emily Blunt's boobs. <laughs> that is a moment in this he, movie. He shows up drunk to her chamber, and they're like betrothed, and he's like, you know, he's like, it's our courting time, and she's like, no, I, I th- I'm thinking of breaking up. I saw a hawk today. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> you did the bit you wanted. That was the bit that was funniest to us in the movie. Is just conversations going awkwardly, and Chris O'Dowd just yells out, "I saw a hawk today." <laughs> then tells the story of catching it with his bare hands. Or it was like, "I caught a hawk today." Yeah, I was going out in the field with my men, and I caught it with my bare hands. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> so. So in the end of the but, movie, he def- Jack Black uh, yeah. defeats the robot by smacking it with a statue, while uh, the other li- his little friend crawls inside the robot like a little rat and unplugs yeah. it. So and he wins! Yay! He gives a wedgie, robot a wedgie, and turns into a trash can. Then the enemy army, uh, Jason Siegel's gonna get to marry Emily Blunt, and then the enemy army and the Lilliputians are about to go to war with each other. Yeah, and they're like, we're gonna fight! Ah, I'm gonna fight ya! Jack Black stops them. And in, like, uh, what I thought was an end credit sequence, that's why I was remembering it as. Like, that's the end credits. Yeah. And it feels like it should be. So, folks... A very DreamWorks ending, which makes sense for this. There's been a couple sequences of weird, somewhat music numbers... Like when when uh, Jack Black's little friend is seducing the princess and he like yeah. sings a I think it's a prince song. Yeah, you don't have to be hot. Yeah, that one. To be my girl. And it's is like playing. Prince? I don't know. I thought it was Prince, but whatever it is. But um, he kind of sings it and it's kind of in the background. It's like a weird in between thing. Yeah. And it happens there. There's a couple music things in the in the movie uh my favorite scene where all the enemy uh the it enemies is my friends, you're right okay where all the enemy guys shoot him with cannonballs and he bur- bubble like his on his belly and the uh, all the cannonballs go in and he goes in like like a fucking jojo attack <laughs> he lifts his hands and all the cannonballs fall out <laughs> and he goes like big belly and they go and shoots all out but yeah and, so um, then he leads the entire society in a rendition of song and dance to war what is it good for and that solves warfare for multiple it's not just war what is it good for absolutely nothing yeah it's the verses that no one knows too it's 
Yeah. It's like, I think it's got to be like at least half the song. It's yeah. so long. It is very it's long. It's so, I, it broke me. Like, I've had moments where I was like, there's some fun stuff in this movie. I don't think it's a particularly good movie, but there's some fun stuff. And then like that, I was like, there's been some bad stuff in this. And then that just like, oh no. And it just kept going for minutes on end. Okay, so the thing with James Corden's character, and this does pop up here because he has the line mm-hmm. during it. One of his like, so James Corden's character feels weirdly sized. It not in that like the size of the role, in that oh yeah, <laughs> you know what you were doing. <laughs> no, weirdly, I, could you imagine they fucked up the CG and James Corden is just like twice the size of all the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, Sire, help! Uh, no, <laughs> it, like, it is like he was like he was like. Oh my, it's like an alternate movie. It's like, he was the big guy around the area. He was the one helping with the plows and everything. And then James Corden, and then, and then Jack Black comes along. Yeah. And he's like, I will have my revenge. <laughs> but just like, James Corden has like a bunch of moments that just like, feel like, it feels weird. Like, that they're, because like, I kind of figured that when his size was small, it's like, and he's mostly like just a, an, almost like a glorified extra that's like okay so this is before James Corden was big he was like just a somewhat known sitcom guy in England at that point so it's like he's just there as a small he's just there as pretty much glorified extra but then he has like a bunch of like very intrusive jokes like breaking into things that feel really awkward and so I couldn't tell if the role was just written at an with an awkward size to it, or you know what you're doing. <laughs> it's like I, the opening of the movie where it's like you're a small man. I can tell, man. I think you're gonna make some big changes or, around here. Or if I'm trying to get my thing, or if it was just like James Corden was trying to riff on set, and for some reason they, kept they felt like it was golden. <laughs> They kept what this started his career. What if what if the the putrid corpse of Gulliver's Travels sprouted the James Gordon flower from from the mulch created by it? It's the fu- it's the fucking founding titan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so actually, his name is James Gordon's monster. <laughs> Okay, do we have anything else we want to say about Gulliver's Travels? Oh my goodness. Oh, uh, oh Jolo Truglio. I want to mention this really briefly. When Gulliver first gets to the island and he's like trying to escape, uh, he falls in slow motion with his butt out. And they cut to... Jolo Truglio has a little soldier on the ground right below him at where he's falling. And, you know, Jolo Truglio, guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Charles Nine, Boyle. Charles Boyle. Charles also, Boyle. like, from the comedy troupe The State uh, from the 90s and, you know, was in The State's most famous movie. Uh, you know, Wet Hot American Summer as a very sizable right. role. But he has one well, line. Well-accomplished guy. But he has one line, and he says, bad luck, before Jack Black lands on him, and he goes up his butt. <laughs> uh, and 
We never see the character. Like, I was expecting, okay, this Jello Truglio's not like a household name, but he's an established comedy guy. So this is gonna be like a bit, and like we're gonna see him just like, like in, a later. Full, in a full body cast later or something. Oh yeah, and the later he like he's like I've seen things. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Some call. Oh back. no, it's the one where uh, when Jack Black drops his pants to piss on something, he has like not again. <laughs> yeah, there's something like that. Because it is confirmed. Uh, one thing that we know about Gulliver is that one, he works fourteen hour days, which is. Bring his psyche to He's a pants around Two, the ankle he's pisser. He's a pants around the ankle pisser. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, release the double-cheeked up cut. <laughs> but yeah, so, presumably, well, so, presumably, and also, we know he, he definitely went up the butt, because they don't, because it's, it's not like he just, a butt cheek landed on him, because he is credited as Butt crack guy. <laughs> that is his credited <laughs> name, the character. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we never see him again, so presumably he died up there. But <laughs> <laughs> the end. That is the implication. <laughs> Jack Black makes a face like he just maybe discovered something about himself. <laughs> so we gotta get into so we you know, we over talked over the plot of this movie because it's a what do you expect? But do we want to break down a little bit how creepy Jack Black? I feel like we've adequately done that. Okay, it's a creepy thing. It's creepy, <laughs> and she quickly is into him because because the, the, the female roles in this movie are not actual characters. None of the characters besides Chris O'Dowd are written well. I don't even know if Chris O'Dowd's written well. I think he's just he's acting, acting well. Yeah, but. The women especially are very horribly written in this. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like all of them feel like half jokes that are, like, all the characters have, like, a central joke to them. and But the women especially feel like half jokes that aren't really committed to. Like, if Emily, like, Emily Blunt's joke starting as, like, she's, like, a damsel in distress, but kind of, you know, it's a... It's like a social role, and she's kind of turned on by it. That's a joke. That's a legitimate funny joke, if they commit to it. And they uh, did not. Yeah. And she goes, oh, no, not them again. Or, like, Catherine Tate, the queen, being, like, very turned on by Gulliver, and then just not committing to that bit. There were a bunch of bits that they just didn't commit to. So, Gulliver's Travels deserves that 20%. <laughs> I'd say. I thought the the lame-ass joke would come back. Like, I thought at some... That was a perfect way... That was a perfect yeah. one you could bring back. Yeah, like, so... Like, after he defeats when, Gulliver. Yeah, when, when Gulliver is, you know, in prison, he calls... Uh, he calls Chris O'Dab villain, who is General Edwardian Edwards. Uh, I think it's Edward Edwardian Edwards, which is a funny name. But... <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, he calls him a big lame ass, and... There's a swear in this movie. Yeah, and then, and, you know, he walks in on that, and he's like, you just called me a name, and he's like, no, no, from where I come from, it means a courageous and honest person, and Chris O'Dowd proudly yells that he's the biggest lame ass there's ever been, then, and... 
You know, that would have been a great joke to bring back of like Chris O'Dowd should have called himself a lame ass again. Like after, like on his yeah. victory, like, I did it, everyone. I am the lamest ass there's ever been. Yeah. Like I said, you can make the you can make this movie good. Yeah. Just do what Chris O'Dowd is doing. Every line out of his mouth is golden. I loved his little Wait, you te- please tell me this island isn't as bad as they say it is. It's delightful! <laughs> That's yeah. just Give Chris O'Dowd more work. Give Chris That if there's anything you should take away from this episode, give Chris O'Dowd more work. He's in the IT crowd, and I, I won't watch that show anymore for, for reasons that uh ah, that you probably know. Uh if if you're in the know, you know. Uh and what? Oh, you don't know the IT crowd thing? I, we'll talk about it off mic. Uh, but I'm sure there's nothing wrong. It's nothing that any of the actors did. So don't worry. Chris O'Dowd and the guy who plays Moss are are fine. They're, they've huh. or and Matt Berry. They've done nothing wrong. I hope I don't say that, and then between this, one of them gets canceled for something horrible. <laughs> they did nothing but... wrong. How could you say that? <laughs> All right. So well, I'll just get yeah. that out. Okay. So yeah. So I guess we're we're kind of wrapping up here with it. Um, uh, but uh, there's one more thing we have to do. Fuck. <laughs> it's tradition, Nolan. I'm sorry to tell you. You first. It's tradition. You first. So. Are we pitching? What a are for, okay? Are we pitching a role for Jack Black in in the MonsterVerse, or are we pitching? Lemuel Gulliver. What is the spirit of bringing a series together? Is it the characters? Is it the I? Is it you know Jack Black as Gulliver himself? Does he need to show up in this MonsterVerse film to make this connected? I would argue that it's the DNA of the series that should be brought in. What I'm saying, folks, is we don't need Jack Black as Gulliver himself. We already have a beloved actress to play that role. <laughs> Milford! Milford <laughs> so Millie Bobby Brown is... <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown is exploring the Bermuda Triangle. Has there been a kaiju sighting near there? Oh, crazy. And the kaiju sighting, uh, so imagine she's going to the Tribune Triangle, and there's something washed up on one of the islands, and it's a giant fucking doll head. Oh. <laughs> you know where I'm going. Yeah, I know where you're going. <laughs> so, a giant fucking doll head of a thing. So, Millie Bobby Brown tracks us down. She ends up in the big water portal, and she ends up in the land of the little folks. What is it called again? Lur- Lilliputia. Lilliputia. She ends up in Lilliputia. Or Lilliput. Lilliput. She ends up in Lilliput. And they're like, oh, no, what's going on? Ah!" And then she realizes that there's that other island with the big folks in it. Yeah. We have some shenanigans going on there. And uh, the finality of the movie is a really fucking... uh, There's, like, a whole thing where she has a little, like, friendship with, like, this, let's say, five-year-old girl. Like, around the... Mm -hmm. Basically, same age as the girl in this Gorbis Travel movie is the giant girl. And she has a friendship with her in the establishment. And she just gets way too much sugar, this little girl, right? Yeah. And she somehow makes it through the portal and is taking Manhattan, baby. <laughs> <laughs> a little 
little girl attacks Manhattan? Yes. <laughs> so this little girl attacks Manhattan, and Godzilla just has to stop her. Not attack her, but stop her. And through the help with some little guys with big hearts, <laughs> they tie her down and win. Okay. That is, well, that's how you establish the DNA of a new series. Gulliver's Travels, but make Rodan Gulliver. <laughs> and Agnes! <laughs> when he gets to Brogdignagia, he's just a normal-sized thing. Just like the normal-sized person? <laughs> oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Could you imagine a pterodactyl just the size of a person? <laughs> he just like we're standing here and just a pterodactyl <laughs> next to me. Could you imagine? It's like, okay. it's like he gets to the big, big land. And he like sees a building, and he taps his hand against it, and he has existential crisis. <laughs> He's like, "Wait, no, am I small? <laughs> oh my god!" Do 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 do. I hurt myself today. <laughs> the size difference. He's no longer a big guy, and he has to confront his tragic childhood when he did feel small. Yeah, and that is. Rodan's Travels. Yeah. So I think that's about um, all we could say. And this isn't that much shorter than Gulliver's Travels itself. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do not recommend. No, we don't. <laughs> Keep on Gullivering, everyone. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, all right. See you next time, baby. Catch you then. <laughs>